Although I didn't say it out loud to this new dance mom, her negative questioning about the location of our bathroom made me want to say, well, I used to keep a potty chair here behind the desk, but I noticed that the moms refused to clean up after themselves and take the urine with them. So I closed down that practice. Welcome back to Coffee Break with Miss Debbie, episode 99. We're one away from the celebratory 100. The culmination of new material was on episode number 97, and now I'm pulling out old things out of the archives and mixing it in the blender and just kind of recycling things. But if I were to put a short title on today's episode, I would call it How to Make People Feel Awkward and Uncomfortable in 10 Seconds or Less. In the spirit of three life lessons to help you make it through the day, today I want to share with you three things that you can do from the get-go to make other people question, feel uncomfortable, and feel awkward without even trying all that hard. Would you like to buy a bag for 10 cents? I just want to say thank you so much for listening and thank you for joining the community of Coffee Break with Miss Debbie over this last season. Just for me, I know you've heard me say this over and over again. The goal was to try something new. 2020 forced me to try new things and doing a podcast was one of the new things I was up to. Today, I'm releasing three life lessons from dance class. This original podcast was two minutes and 38 seconds. And I think I was a little bit shy, didn't know what to say. And now you just can't get me to shut up. But life lessons from dance class was one that got listened to quite a bit. And it was in the very early days of this project, a few extra skills for coping. So I was breaking things down into three life lessons. And honestly, post-COVID, most of us still need extra skills for coping. Like last spring, I did share with everyone transparently that I was in a season of burnout and I shared a few tips of things that I needed to do to help crawl out of that space. It did require life changes and homework on my part, but I would say that it was good. You can go through anything and say it is good if good comes out of it. So now just in the spirit of my sense of humor, instead of three life lessons to help you make it through the day or three life lessons from dance class, we've got three life lessons on how to be awkward in no time flat. Life lessons from dance class. As a student or as a dance teacher, let me validate what you do in the studio. It's so much more than just dance or just a class. Lesson number one, breathe and prepare. How many times have you gone to the ballet bar and felt nervous, felt a little stiff and just gripped that bar? Or the teacher's watching and we notice the student wants to hang on the bar, lean on the bar. Breathe and prepare. When the music starts, we inhale, the arms go into place, you're moving from your center and you're ready to go. In life, how many times do we forget to breathe? How many times are we gripping the steering wheel or gripping onto something that is no longer ours? Just breathe. You'll feel more prepared for whatever's going to come five seconds from now. Lesson number two, listen, no talking. 
I've literally gotten emails from parents that were disgruntled because I didn't allow their child to talk in class. But whether we're students of the dance studio or doing business out in the world, listening and not talking will be a tremendous benefit. I often remind my students, if you're talking, your ears aren't working, your eyes aren't seeing, and you cannot learn. So keep it simple. Listen. No talking. Lesson number three, in the moment. There's no value in worrying about what happened before you walked into the dance studio. There's no value in worrying about what's going to happen once you exit the room. You have a few precious moments to hear the music, enjoy the movement, and be fully aware of your class. Stay in the moment, absorb what you hear, absorb what you're doing, let it touch your spirit, soul, and body, and stay in the moment. This is a lesson that will carry you far after you do leave the classroom. So enjoy the value of signing up for dance, taking dance, thinking about dance, and just dancing. Have a great day. When you're meeting a new person or you're approaching a new situation, most likely there's going to be some insecurity. Possibly just complain. You know nothing about the person or the event, but without missing a beat, you're able to verbalize your discontent and your negative observations. We all love the character Debbie Downer from SNL because the mannerisms and what she does is so exaggerated that she cracks us right up. But you know, real life is often funnier than fiction, especially at the dance studio. And when I meet someone with these mannerisms, I whisper to myself, well, I'm thankful I'm not her. This sounds so snide, I know it, but I'm aware that I'm not gonna be able to fix her. She won't want to listen to anything I say, and the poor thing has to live with herself. I think it would be good if we would all just grow up and be secure. Oftentimes, the reason people talk really fast and then they say goofy things in the middle of public situations is because they're feeling insecure. So me being insecure makes other people feel uncomfortable and I need to grow up, be secure, and that's it. Would you like to buy a bag for 10 cents? Periodically, we run across people, myself included, who have quite a few blind spots in their personality. And because of that, I tend to have these odd encounters with people. It's a social situation, but once I get into the privacy of my own car, I'm walking, I start to overthink the conversation that just happened. But then I started to see the humor in it. And I thought, you know, this could be a teaching tool. I just started listing ways that we could actually intentionally make it cringy for the other people in the room or in the gathering. So number one would be you go to a store or a place of service and the employee wants to offer you assistance, but you refuse their help. And not only do you refuse the help, you give really odd and unusual reasons why you need to refuse their help. You know, we've heard like one thing is the hand sanitizer. It started during COVID at the dance studio, and then we just continued it because it's a good idea. But I've heard so many reasons that are funny why kids 
can't have hand sanitizer. It comes from both kids and the parents. I'm allergic. It smells funny. It makes me itch. I can't use that brand. My mom doesn't approve. It doesn't taste good. Seriously, one kid said it didn't taste good. Why are they licking their hands? But that's beside the point here. Number two, ask random, personal, and inappropriate questions. You know how it goes when you just are standing beside someone because you're in line somewhere. It's a perfect stranger. And they turn to you and say, how old are you? Is that your real color of hair? And when you get your hair done, how much does it cost? Are the two of you dating or are you married or did you just meet a few minutes ago? Now, any of that stuff is going to make you feel pretty cringy. How are you supposed to answer that? And how do you view the person who's talking like that? Number three, simply don't respond when being addressed or spoken to and look as if you didn't hear them or you can't see them. Don't change the facial expression. Don't respond. And lastly, be a complainer. You enter a place that you've never been before. You know nothing about the structure. You look around and without missing a beat, you are able to verbalize your negative observation, affecting everybody in the room. I had this recently at the dance studio. We all love the character Debbie Downer from SNL, and my name is Debbie, and so I can play with that all that I want. I'm not offended, and I know Debbie Downer. But then real life is often funnier than fiction, especially at the dance studio. I've had a few dance moms recently come in. They were able to practice what I just mentioned to you. They actually have no interest in continuing in classes. They just showed up. Now, why, you might ask, would a person go out of their way to show up for an activity that they have no interest in? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it's free. The draw for coupons and discounts and freebies, it's real, people. It seems to bring the creepiness out of the woodwork. And instead of bringing out the best in people, it just tends to have the opposite effect. So bringing in a person, first impressions, with a disinterested, sarcastic, condescending attitude is actually my fault. I've attracted this. And how did I do that? By in September and January, offering risk-free trial classes. People who would never take a dance class and don't intend to take one will show up because they saw four letters. Oh, those powerful letters, F-R-E-E. One of those encounters was regarding a gal that had called us first thing in the morning. She was supposed to be bringing her daughter later that day for a class. And that would have been four or 4.30. But first thing in the morning, when she woke up, she needed to call me and her question was, will the downstairs door be unlocked for me? So I always unlock the doors to the studio a few minutes before it's time for classes to start. There's a side door and it's downstairs. A lot of people don't even know about the door. And if I know that there's a grandparent coming or um, someone who has trouble with the stairs, I try to get down there to meet them and make sure it's unlocked so they can use the elevator second floor to dance class, it can be tricky. But even though this is a safe neighborhood, because, well, it's Seattle, and we've had some interesting people maybe being around the building that don't need to be there, I generally just keep that downstairs door locked. We don't need to have an extra entrance. So if I don't need to unlock something, I'm not going to do it. But this new dance mom had that concern. So I said to her, yes, I will make sure that I will have that door open for you. And 
I'm assuming she needs to use the elevator. Later that day, I'm downstairs, I unlock, I greet her. Now, do you think she has a handicap sticker on her forehead or on her car? She has two very good working legs. So this person who was concerned about that downstairs door did not have a handicap sticker. She was not a senior citizen. She was not in a wheelchair. What she had was a stroller. You know, <laughs> women will literally bring a double stroller into the waiting room. And if they have visited our studio before, which clearly this person had because she knew about the back door and the elevator, they would know that our lobby is not very big. So the size of our lobby is about the size of most people's bedroom. There's enough room for kids to come and go, drop off their shoes, line up for class. But bringing in your bicycle, your motorcycle, your quad, your lawnmower, and your double stroller, none of those things are very compatible with the size of my lobby. So I'm just trying to paint this picture for you, okay? When she did make it into the lobby, she had a few questions that I would consider a little bit too outspoken for being a new person. After all the personal questions that she offered to me, and she responded with, oh, no, we actually won't be returning. I registered by accident. I'm sorry. <laughs> Another one of those moments I have to laugh because let me explain to you. To even get a trial class at our dance school, you have to set up a student account, um, put in your credit card number, and have your child's name on the roll sheet to even show up. So that is a lot of hard work to go on your computer and set up that student portal and then say you did it by accident. So for me, as a person who's not computer savvy, in fact, I'm scared of computers, I had to think, she, wow, she really went out of her way to get that job done by accident. Now back to the idea of the stroller in the lobby. I don't mean to be a grumpy old biddy, but Part of the reason I don't appreciate bringing those wheels into the lobby is because dance is my art form. A lot of times, modern and contemporary is done in bare feet. We're down on the floor, rolling around, and I consider it a sacred space for me to create art and educate about art. So kids are barefoot. They're running around in their ballet shoes. We're doing our best to keep the space clean. And Lord knows where it's been. You might have been out in the tulip fields. You might have been in the cow pasture or the barn. Maybe you were out doing a mud run for all I know. And I know that sounds silly, but honestly, this is a logical concern because I'm thinking the type person that would bring their double stroller into the clean lobby is the type person that probably was pushing their stroller through the tulip fields and through the cow pasture and then into the house. It was just an awkward encounter all around. Now, awkward encounter number two was a dance mom that came in with her little one for a class and another baby on her hip. And when people bring multiple kids, we don't really have the space for it, but I get it because most moms of preschoolers are going to have multiple kids. So you have them all a similar age group. What are you going to do? Just leave your kids at home? I understand. On this rainy day in January, and she's approaching my desk. So I say, oh, welcome to our dance school. Is there anything I could do to help you? Is this your first time here? And if you've not been to this space before, I'd like to show you around a bit. So I wanna acclimate them to the basic things. Here's your teacher's name. This is what the uniforms look like. Um, here in the hallway is the water fountain in the restroom. The kids can put their extra clothes into the cubbies. 
And then if she does need to use the restroom, and before I could finish the sentence, she interrupts me with, ah, yes, no, she needs to use it. That was the tone. And I thought, well, this must be an emergency. So let me help her out. So I pointed in the right direction. I needed to inform her that our bathrooms are in a key code. And she says to me, so I have to go outside to use the bathroom? And I'm thinking outside, what does she think? I'm sending her to the porta potty or the outhouse? No, it's through that door into the hallway. That's where the water fountain is. And so I just pointed and said, yes, just go through the first and second door. It'll be the first room on your left. And she says, so we have to go outside to go to the bathroom. So I thought I must not be very clear. So I just got up from the desk, walked over to the door, opened it up, pointed and said, type in these four digits. And this sign here says restrooms. And so the third time she says, okay, so we're going outside. Well, that's interesting. I just walked back in the lobby. There was a dance dad sitting there and I kind of caught his eye. And I said, it's not that interesting. And he said, he said, well, some people just always have to say something. And I nodded and I agreed. But in my head, I thought, no, they don't actually. You don't have to bring your complaint. You can bring a compliment, which is something, or you can complain, which is something, or you could just say nothing. What would be wrong with nothing? But the whole shrugging, oh, interesting. But then when I replayed it in my mind, I thought, had I been quicker on my feet rather than being in shock from this weird encounter, I might have said, well, you know, I used to keep a potty chair here behind the desk, but I noticed that the dance moms were not taking their urine home with them and cleaning up and putting in a Ziploc bag. It kind of was affecting the atmosphere in the lobby. So I'm just done with that practice. And so, yes, in fact, you have to breathe fresh air, go out onto the balcony and then into the regular restroom. But once again, the whole thing was just awkward. I've never met this person before in my life. So that makes some podcast material. Would you like to buy a bag for 10 cents? Customer service is one of the things that I think I'm a little bit picky about, maybe even nitpicky. So I tend to talk about it, but I'm a business owner and I think this is something that is important. People are willing to go out into the community, they're going to spend their money, and they deserve to be treated well. Recently, I was talking to a hairdresser, and I was surprised how many similarities that she was experiencing that also happen in the studio world. But basically, I think we need to reach out and try to help and mentor the next generation in good customer service and awareness of others. We were talking about work ethic, and for her, it boiled down to two things. One, don't show up in your pajamas, and two, smile and greet people. I don't think that's asking too much. These two requests are not a lot. It's part of being a human. It's part of giving decent customer service. So show up on time, not wearing your pajamas, smile and ask people if there's anything you can do for them. This is the kind of thing I try to teach my eighth graders about 
but I think you've heard me say in past podcasts that I think eighth graders may not have the ability to comprehend it all that well. So we probably just need to wait it out, wait until they're 10th or 11th graders, and they're going to come back around as wonderful pre-adults. But the other day, I was at the fabric counter in Hobby Lobby, and I asked the girl a question. She did not know what the fabric was for that I was looking at. And that's okay, but not only did she not know what it was for, she seemed to be annoyed and perturbed that I was trying to talk to her. So I also needed to get picture frames, so I made my way over to the framing department, and I met a wonderful older gentleman. He was happy to chat, he was happy to help, and so I asked him, do you know what this fabric would be used for? And he says, oh yes, that's fabric for outdoor furniture. So I laughed and I patted him on the shoulder and I said, thank you so much. And I think you should probably be working over in the fabric department because you happen to know what certain fabrics are for. And it seemed to be a large effort for her to look me in the eye and give human interaction. The gentleman over in the framing department was maybe 50 or 60. And so I guess it makes a difference. Now there was another encounter recently, kind of similar experience, but I would say that this one was even the poster child of encounters that inspired me to want a podcast about customer service. I'm at TJ Maxx and I'm at the cash register checking out and the young clerk asks me if I want to buy a bag and that's gonna be 10 cents. And I'm always stunned and a little bit breathless when this question comes up. I don't know what the answer is supposed to be. There's this question. It causes my anxiety to rise because I'm thinking, do I want to buy a bag? Because firstly, I'm from a generation where we didn't buy bags and we didn't have to answer that question. The bags were just given to us automatically when you made a purchase. Now, if I say yes, I'm gonna struggle with the ethical dilemma there because 25 years from now, that bag is gonna be out in the ocean. It's going to be swallowed by a dolphin. The dolphin will choke and die, and it's going to be my fault. So the correct answer to, do you wanna buy a bag, is no. However, if I say no, which I know is the correct answer, then I'm not gonna have a bag. And I'm not gonna know how to get those items to the car because I only have two arms and I usually buy more than two items. And a lot of people like me don't remember to bring their bags into the store. I have a pantry full of bags at my house. And at times I get the bags from the pantry to the car, but of course they don't make it from the car into the store. I'm still not remembering that very last step. So here I am at the cash register. And when the question comes up after a lot of mental gymnastics and deliberation, I always have to say, Yes. Yes, I want to buy a bag.
I've had to get over the idea that I'm paying tents for a bag that I'm not going to use after I get it home because the truth is I need it right now. So the bag's getting used. So this young clerk now takes my items, picks up the bag and tries for a moment to load things together. And she says to me, um, it's, this stuff's not going to fit in the bag. So she pushes the bag and the items across the counter to me. And I can honestly crack myself up and other people might not think that it's that funny. But in that moment, I didn't know what to think or say. I'm giggling and I'm thinking this is actually kind of sad because she has no idea what I'm laughing about. But of course I proceed to carry my 10 cent bag plus my 12 items to the car, which means I have 13 items that I'm trying to juggle. So I'm struggling with the idea that I just got not good customer service. I'm carrying a bag that I purchased that doesn't fit my stuff in it. And I'm wondering what I could have done or said to make that girl's life a little easier. But I'm the paying customer. Is that plain crazy? Like, hello? But I think my life lesson has to be humility. I've got to learn. I think my life is going to start to be a lot more peaceful and a lot less agitated if I would grow up and grow in humility. The humility is going to ask me, what can you do to help the next generation? How can you be a better business person? How can you be more gentle and kind to these young workers, but still not feel completely taken advantage of because I'm the customer. I think it's not asking too much to be given a bag that is the right size to house the items that I just purchased. I think it's not asking too much for me to ask a basic fabric question and have it answered because it wasn't like I was asking this girl for brain surgery. I was asking a fabric question in the fabric department. So of course my question back at TJ Maxx, after all the mental gymnastics I went through should have been, no, I do not need a bag. And over in Hobby Lobby, I might've said, never mind. I'm going over to the framing department to ask that gentleman what this fabric's for. So as you can see, there are life lessons and things to laugh about in everything you see and everything you do and experience. And if you're not interested in having life lessons, my counsel to you is to not leave the house. Because for me, the moment I step out the front door, I'm going to be hit with something. There's always opportunity to learn. And boy, oh boy, do I find those life lessons, as you can see. <laughs> my life existence is between the dance studio and my house, but 
two or three times a week, I do have to venture out of my comfort zone and I have to go to my go-tos, which you've already figured out are Hobby Lobby, Ross or TJ Maxx. I was outside my comfort zone at Old Navy the other day. And then there's the grocery store. And wherever I go, something happens and there's a question mark above my head. But while I'm laughing and questioning everything, I have to learn greater humility. It's a travesty if I've gotten to this point in my life and I still get so irritated by these things. And I'm trying to figure it out. Now, there's nothing wrong with me being confident as I go out. That's not being arrogant. But humility is also not letting yourself be taken advantage of unnecessarily. It's just being who God has called you to be, which is a confident, kind human being. We've all got faults and cracks and places we can grow. And everybody around me is not perfect as, of course, as I am not perfect, but I'm hoping to but I'm hoping to refine the way that I do respond. And as you all know, out of all the, all, all the uh, go-tos that I've mentioned already, Hobby Lobby is my number one favorite. So there I was in my place of inspiration, the Hobby Lobby in the fabric department. I come across this fabric, which is a little unusual. It was kind of plasticky. And I've been thinking that these Ottomans in the lobby that the kids are climbing all over, they really need a reface. They are getting beat up. So I'm wondering if this is the appropriate fabric for a beginner like me that's gonna to try to do a little upholstery project. And I asked the girl at the counter, do you know what this fabric is supposed to be used for? And without even looking up, she says, I don't know. And I was kind of surprised, but she seemed taken back by the idea that I was trying to talk to her. And her tone was a little bit like, Lady, you are bothering me, and I don't know why you're trying to talk to me, so please go away. But, you know, I stepped away from the counter, and I witnessed the next customer that came to the counter. And with that customer, the girl simply looked at her and said, um, I'll be back in a few minutes. And she just walked away from the counter. And I'm sure that customer was wondering, like I, well, how many minutes? Like when? When are you coming back? Are you smoking a cigarette? Are you leaving on vacation? Is a replacement coming soon? Or should I just stand here? Now, in the middle of me trying to process my experiences at TJ Maxx and at Hobby Lobby, I ventured out and did a funny thing, I went to Old Navy. Glory, glory, I found a sweater there 
And I was so excited because it was 75% off. I didn't have my reading glasses, so I didn't know what the original price was. But when I got to the counter and asked the gentleman there, he said, it's $28. Now, after the previous encounters I'd had at other stores, I was just too tired to question. But can you all join me and think about this? The sweater is $28. It's already been discounted by 75%. And we're in Old Navy. I'm trying, I'm really working on graciousness and patience and humility, but you know what? I don't own the Hobby Lobby and I'm not the manager there. So it's really not my job to mentor that young lady. And I don't own TJ Maxx and I'm not the manager there. So I guess it's not my job to mentor that young lady. And of course I don't own Old Navy, and I'm not the manager there, so it's not my job to mentor that young man. But what is my job is to practice my graciousness and my humility. Doing that in a mature way is challenging to me. Because I like excellent customer service, or at least basic customer service. At the fabric counter, I was not asking the young lady for brain surgery. I was asking her a fabric question. In TJ Maxx, I was not asking for a curated designer bag. I was asking for a 10 cent bag that was the correct size that I could actually use. In the Old Navy, I wasn't being a cheapo asking for a discount. The sign already said 75% off. So I'm just trying to maneuver through reasonable, right? Now, how about you listeners? The chances are very high that in the last few days, You've also had some opportunities, whether it was with your kids or in the stores, in your church, or with your own kids. Now, did you pause, ask the Lord for discernment, and then follow through on what God told you to do and how God asked you to respond? You all know me. I'm going to be really honest with you, and I will let you know, I definitely did not pause, ask God for discernment, and then act obediently to his voice. No, no, no. I just laughed and decided to podcast. In counseling or in reading self-help books, you'll often see the phrase case study. I think case studies are all around us. Just like I always say, life lessons are all around us, humor's all around us. There's always an opportunity to learn something in a case study. In episode 97, I kept saying, this too shall pass. Whatever season you're in, don't get too caught up in it. Don't worry about it or let it stress you out because it's going to pass. I used the example of an eighth grade student 
and then just reminded all of us that eighth grade only lasts so long. So I don't need to get my identity molded by the negativity and the dramatic emotion of a 13 or 14 year old because soon eighth grade will be over and she's going to calm down and we're going to have this beautiful, productive young adult on our hands. But today I'm talking about how to make people feel awkward. And I think some girls in the eighth grade are actually masters of that. And earlier I said in my little list of what are some things we can do to make people feel awkward and uncomfortable? Point number three said, simply don't respond when being addressed or spoken to. And that was the number one thing that made me want to crawl up the wall was this specific eighth grade girl. I could smile and say good morning or good afternoon and ask a direct question. And I don't know if she knew she was passive aggressive because she probably was not mature enough to have a term for it, but she could literally just stare me down. It was a power trip. Someone else might've defended her and said, oh no, she's just quiet. She's embarrassed. She's shy. And I would have retorted, oh no, I've known her since she was seven or eight years old. She is not shy. She is power tripping. But that is a great example. When I ask the question, what are things that you can do or say to make it awkward and uncomfortable for everyone involved? Just with a blank face, just stare, don't respond. Welcome to the eighth grade, everyone. Now, if you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you're still doing that, welcome back to the eighth grade. So recapping, three life lessons to make life uncomfortable and awkward for everyone around you. I like threes because it's kind of like a beginning, a middle, and an end. But here we go, the recap. Number one, walk into a room or an organization that you know nothing about and find a way to complain. Perhaps you can meditate on that ahead of time so you'll have a whole artillery of things in your purse that you can pull out. Maybe it's things that you naturally complain about all the time anyway, and you find a way to bring it into this new atmosphere. Number two, when someone's offering to give you help, you refuse the help, come up with strange and unusual excuses, stare as if you hadn't heard them, and look as if you cannot see them. That kind of action can seem very arrogant and condescending, but for all we know, maybe the person truly couldn't see you and truly couldn't hear you. On the other hand, in my studio lobby, it's not that big. I don't think somebody can actually get away with not hearing or seeing. You don't get lost. If you happen to be an employee in this situation, act very exasperated and burdened by the idea that someone's asking you for a common bit of information or help. And number three, my personal favorite, ask questions, blunt questions. Try a few of these. You meet a stranger at the library or at the school and you just say to them, how long did it take you to get ready this morning? Was that your car that I saw you getting out of in the parking lot this morning? How far away from here do you live? Do you live in a nice house? I noticed that your car has a dent in it. How did it get that way? What did you have for lunch? And how much did it cost? Do you think there's a lot of calories in those items that you ate? Are those new jeans? What would be the inch measurement around the waist of jeans that size? Are those your shoes or did you borrow them? Are these your children? Do they normally have good manners or bad manners? I've already read your whole website, but what real credentials do you have for running a business 
or teaching dance class. Did you get that outfit at a regular store or did you thrift it? And where do you buy your groceries? Do you usually shop the flyer and get things on sale? Or do you pay full price? Are you divorced? How long have you been divorced? Well, why did you get divorced? Do you feel that it was your fault or the other person's fault? Or was there just no fault at all? You just wanted to get divorced. But you know, I have a sneaky suspicion that many of these thoughts could be resolved if we were to return to those first simple, original, truthful life lessons from dance class. Breathe, stay in the moment, and just talk less. Or better yet, just don't talk. Are you gonna need a bag? Would you like to buy a bag for 10 cents?